The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we got another album review for you. Adam, I'm pretty sure this is one that you put on there uh, because you were nostalgic for it. Would you introduce this album for us? Yes, I am talking the kind of post-grunge, almost pop-punky album, A Place in the Sun by the band Lit. A big name... Uh, from from the late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, songs off this album were everywhere yeah. on the radio forever. Uh, definitely remember this band. And uh, I was kind of interested because I am personally was only familiar with the hits. Okay. Um, I had never listened to this whole album before. Um, I'm assuming you had it, but about, about the time this band uh, got really big, I was off to college. Yes. I wouldn't have heard it at home because I wasn't there. No, uh, I absolutely had this album. I had the CD. If my memory serves me right, I thought I got this for my birthday that year, which would have been November of 1999. Um, and so that was when you would have been off to college at that point. Right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I had this one on heavy rotation uh, on in my um, on my on my. CD player, uh, and I I think I, I definitely first heard them either either on MTV or 99X or something. That was kind of mm-hmm. like the alt-rock station uh, in yeah. Atlanta. Um, but I, I remember taking an immediate liking to the band and really digging them and really digging these songs. Uh, the album was released on February 23rd of uh, 1999, uh, recorded at NRG Studios in North Hollywood, and uh, was produced by Lit and a guy named Don Gilmore, who I couldn't find too many specifics on. Of course, I did a very just a cursory Google search. Um, but apparently he did work as a producer with bands like Good Charlotte and Linkin Park. Okay, cool. So a uh, decent pedigree there with mm-hmm. the, you know, especially in the in the pop punk era. Yeah, for sure. Of the 2000s. Uh, the personnel uh, in the band are A.J. Popoff. On lead vocals, his brother Jeremy Popoff on guitar, Kevin Balds, Baldies on bass, and Alan Schellenberger on drums. I did a very, very quick just kind of look on on uh, up on YouTube for mm-hmm. stuff about the band. Apparently, in the earliest days of the band, which actually were formed somewhere in the 80s, I heard, mm-hmm. They were kind of a hair metal group, probably back when they were oh. like young teenagers or something like that. Uh-huh. And then it just kind of grew through the decade as grunge came in and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, went through other iterations. Um, not much to add as far as uh, additional musicians go. Um, there's some horn players in uh, the song Happy. One of them was a guy named Jerry Hay who also played on Thriller. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, but other than that, just some guys they brought in for stuff, nothing else really kind of worth, you know, mentioning or bringing in. So, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of the four band, four band members and, uh, Adam, I know you got some more fun facts for us. I do. Uh, yeah. So you'd mentioned that, um, they started actually back in the eighties, uh, which is very true. They did not go by the name of, uh, lit back in the day in 1988 when they kind of got started. Um, they went by the band name Razzle. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then in the early 90s, they changed it to Stain. Uh, and then in 1995, they changed it to Lit, which they have been since. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, yeah, their second studio album, I think you might have mentioned. It hit number 31 on the Billboard 200 uh, album charts. It is certified platinum and absolutely their best known album with their best known songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fairly well-known, uh, their drummer, Alan Schellenberger, uh, passed away from brain cancer in 2009, and that was kind of like a big uh, a news article when okay. that happened. And uh, the band actually has a total of six studio albums to date, uh, the latest coming out in 2017, where they kind of went away from their alternative rock, pop-punk pop kind of style, and they incorporated a lot of country rock, and it's very much a more of a country album. Huh. 
and I listened to some of it, and it's not terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to okay. lie. I, I didn't dislike it. It sounds... Uh, now, the only thing is it sounds kind of like every other country artist from like that 2017, 2018, <laughs> where right. I just... I feel like popular country, they all sound exactly the same to me. Um, yeah. There's no one like particularly unique anymore. I've seen I've mm-hmm. seen a ton of videos with uh, with uh, audio guys who will take like four or five songs and literally loop them on top of each other and you are like it's literally the same song yeah. over and over and over again just with like a different bridge. Mm-hmm. Um but they might have just been experimenting with that style I don't know cuz I did see that they released a single in November of 2021 called Yeah 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 and it actually kind of goes much more back to their kind of um, punk alternative power, uh, po- uh, poppy okay. punk alternative style. I mean, I don't begrudge a band who mm. wants to try a different style at all. No, I mean, especially a band that's been around for over twenty years. Your yeah. your 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 tastes are going to change. Your styles are going to change. Your musical abilities are going to change, and the things you learn. And you know what? Good for them for just you know a, a lot of bands would like. All right, well, let's release this under a different name. Mm-hmm. Or different personnel or something, but they're like, no, 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 this is us. We're just trying something. Yeah, yeah, and it, honestly, it didn't didn't make me upset li- okay. listening to it at all. So, cool. So. Uh, all right, I don't really have too much to add as far as the whole album itself goes. So, if you're ready, let's go ahead and jump into some songs. And this is one of the first uh, things I've ever heard that has sort of a hidden intro track, or that's what they call it. I don't know if I'd really call it a hidden intro if it's in the yeah. beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's like just some guitar noise, really. Uh, and all right, so I didn't even listen to that because I just listened to my um, iTunes and I must have deleted that track off or something. Okay. So I I didn't even know about it. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, my iTunes version had that clumped in with the first song. So oh, okay. I my, had yeah. to listen to it and there really wasn't anything to it. It's really just some like guitar noise of like stuff being turned on and stuff like that okay Uh, and then we jump into the actual first song which is called four she wakes up lonely she wakes up lonely she hangs a picture by the phone she hangs a picture by the Once the song actually got going, mm-hmm. um, I rather liked it. Oh yeah, it's it's catchy. It it starts off with the rock really well. Um, yeah, you're right. It does kind of just kind of keep like their riffs. Um, but yeah, once it gets going, it's definitely about like a girl in a relationship. That's I think a theme that basically this entire album is about. Mm-hmm. Um, different like ladies and relationships in general. But yeah, um, I very much like this song. I think it's a really strong start. Well, I guess when you remove the hidden track, <laughs> it's a strong start to the <laughs> yeah. album. And they probably would have just been better doing that. Um, yeah, apparently the band talked about the song saying that it's about a musician who's always on the road while his girlfriend is at home without him. And that lifestyle pushes them apart, uh, decreasing the likelihood of them you know, being able to make it last, you know, yeah, she mm-hmm. wakes up lonely, um, that kind of thing. So uh, probably something that happened to them in personal experience, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and happens to a lot of people, people I've known who have been on tour and, you know, or in, if you're in the military and yeah. always away. So it's definitely something to, um, relate to. Yeah. But I mean, the song is, it's catchy. It moves quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's enjoyable. It's a good, enjoyable song. So you hadn't heard this one before. You don't remember it. No. Okay. No, I don't remember it at all. Um, I really like the guitar tone and sound that they mm-hmm. get out of the, uh, the whole album in general, but this one really hit me because, you know, it's, once that riff kicks in, da na 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 it's like, ooh, that's a really good, mm-hmm. crunchy guitar sound. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit processed, but still a little raw at the same time. So I'm not, I'm not I don't feel like I'm going too of one direction or another. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like an overly what feels like an overly processed guitar sound would be like Rammstein where uh, it's, it's gritty, 
but like they've definitely done a lot of stuff to really smooth it out and that's fine because it really works mm-hmm. for their sound but for for something that's like a, a a punk garage band i still need to feel like it's like i'm sitting outside the garage watching them a little bit mm-hmm. and it, it, a little bit of, of the grit there works and uh there's more to that i'll talk about maybe i'll talk about it in the next song okay. um that that really kind of i really like about their sound okay cool all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next song, which is going to be the one that uh, you're all here for. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No, 100% their biggest song. And that is My Own Worst Enemy. Can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk? I didn't mean to call you that. I can't remember what was said or what you threw. things that I, I think this song has that really makes it resonate and you'll still find it played today. One, a really, really catchy guitar riff. Mm-hmm. A guitar riff that people will sing along with when it's being played. And as soon as you hear it, you hear like the first two notes, everyone else just <laughs> boom, I immediately know where this is going. And two, a really good story in the lyrics that you can follow, that mm-hmm. you can understand. And it's not not like a story like, you know, I mean, but you you understand what is going on in the song. You can relate to mm-hmm. what this, you know, what they're singing about. And to me, those two things together make it a song that is going to last well past the band. Uh, when the band is gone. Yep. And and that is exactly what this song has done. Um, specifically, kind of about, you know, the story of the song. It's all about basically realize, waking up and realizing you fucked up and you, you pissed <laughs> off, like, you know, the person that you love or something like yeah. that. Um, so they kind of mention that, uh, yeah, it's it's doing that realization. The first ber- verse is about screwing up with your chick. Um, uh, this is his brother, Jeremy talked about AJ saying AJ is the king of having four ex-girlfriends show up to the same show. And it's funny <laughs> watching him have to juggle all of that. <laughs> and then AJ mentioned that, you know, just a combination of many, many incidents. Um, he says he sometimes gets in trouble when he gets naked in public. <laughs> and he <it's>, <laughs> doesn't have a girl there. Uh, and it happens when uh, it happens when he's been drinking Jägermeister, he says he actually sang he sang my own worst enemy naked in the studio. That's a little interesting little tidbit for you. <laughs> okay, but no, I'm sure, I needed that information, but good. Yeah, uh, especially when alcohol is involved, or in general, even when not, people understand that they made a fucking mistake, and they can they can they can um, connect with the song on that matter. Right, and it's just, yeah, and it's this song came out around the time I went to college, and I was one. I was not a big drinker, but. I knew plenty of them. Yeah. And I this song resonated with me because I was watching it happen to my friends around me mm-hmm. all at that same time. So that to that, one, this, this song came out at the perfect time for me. But two, I don't think that's ever changed. I think anyone who's been a party animal is going to relate to this song, yeah. no matter what your age is. Yeah. I, I mean, I was not a party animal, you know, in middle school or <laughs> when this came out. But... Right. Um, I just enjoyed it because of that catchy riff, and you're right. And even so, you can just kind of and it said shit in it, and so that was cool. Uh, but it's just <laughs> fun song. It uh, hit number 51 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it actually hit number one on the modern rock charts, and it was there for 11 weeks. So it was a popular like alternative rock song for sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about. So the um, the mixer, the mix, mm-hmm. the guy who mixes the song, and there's a guy named Brian Maloof. And I watched a video, uh, this might have been like end of last year or something like that, with him talking about this song and how he mixed this song. Um, I think it was him and not Dan, uh, Don uh, Gilmore. I could be wrong. But what he had him do is 
So often, a lot of times with some of this stuff, you'll have a guitarist. If there's one guitarist, you'll have them record their parts twice, and you'll 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 spread the uh, panning from left to right. So you'll pan one far left, and you'll mm-hmm. pan one far right to get a little bit of a bigger surrounding sound. Sometimes, like when I do it. I try to vary up the the sound of the distortion the mm. second time I do it, so it's a little bit different. And then, but what he did on this song in particular, which I've started to do, is he'll also record a third guitar that he'll make even dirtier, put it right up the middle, and he'll just edge it in to fill out the sonic kind of gap from spreading them out okay. too much. So you get this real full sound, but the middle one is just. It's a little bit, they put, you just pan it in or you fade it in until it fills out the sound, but he makes it a little bit grittier and dirtier to give it that extra edge. And I really liked that. And I've been doing that with a lot of the stuff I've been kind of recording myself when when I'm doing a distorted guitar. And honestly, I think it's a genius thing. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, To me, that also makes some sense where it kind of like, you know, you'll have, yeah, the not to say the different sounds from the left and the right um, with the right. pan, but this will kind of like I don't know, it'll it'll connect everything as well. And yeah, it's got that dirtiness to it. It, it just makes a like, almost like a three part guitar harmony, but <laughs> but just right. kind of with with with, with panning. tone, yeah, with instead tone, of know. instead of actual notes. Uh-huh. Part of the reason for I mean, panning in in like the fifties and sixties, panning was because you only had two tracks on a tape and you had to put one on the left and one on the right. Mm -hmm. Nowadays it's done more for effect and like if I'm panning a song, I'm usually panning it, imagining I'm standing dead center at a at a concert. Mm. Where would these sounds be coming at me from if I'm listening to the band? Now if you're playing if you're watching a huge concert where there's speakers everywhere, all the sound is coming out of everything, Mm -hmm. more or less. But if you were just standing in front of the band by itself, where would these sounds be coming from and where is it going to be effective? Um, which is why it's important to to do some panning and not just straight down the middle mm-hmm. all the time. To me, that becomes very boring and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yes, you can kind of play sonically with if you're panning something from left to right for an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works sometimes, and sometimes it's nauseating <laughs> if it's done too much and, and wrong. But uh, that's, that's one of the things that I do miss is a lot of pop songs nowadays really don't do a lot of panning. They're mostly just straight down the middle. Yeah. But uh, I mean, like I when I'm panning, I'll pan a drum just the drum set separately, um, as if I'm standing in front of the drum set. There's two thoughts of this. I'm sorry, I'm really kind of going on a diatribe about this. Um, there's two thoughts to panning a drum set. One is you pan it as if you were the drummer, mm-hmm. or, or you pan it as if you're in the audience. Even though I'm a drummer, I tend to pan it as if I was the audience because I like to imagine I'm listening to this song as if I'm at the concert. I'm mm-hmm. I'm standing in front of the band. So if I'm standing in front of the drum set. The items that are would be on my right, I pan to the right. The items that would be on my left, I pan to the left. For a typical person, you might get like the hi-hat and... The hi-hat maybe, is the farthest oh, thing to go right. The yeah. floor tom is the farthest thing to go left. Um, the toms, I will pan a little bit as they go around. Uh-huh. The snare drum is slightly to the right. Okay. Um, and then the overheads, you just straight pan far right left. Uh-huh. And so then you'll you'll kind of get the effect. Also, the the that will also help with the with the toms and stuff like that and just the overall of the mm-hmm. uh, uh of the drum set cool. so and, but cool. the, the bass drum is always straight center mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense because it's also the the generally the pulse keeper and if you're standing in front of the drum set the bass drum is usually yeah. generally straight in the middle uh and then uh, to get back to the song <laughs> just real quick sure um i just want to mention the music video i like the music video it they're in a, basically a bowling alley um, and they're kind of playing the bowlers and then also a ba- the band playing in the alley and it's all it's got very like king kingpin big lebowski vibes which is very right. fitting for that time see so. it looked very 90s to me it is like, extremely it, like it's color coloration and everything yeah super saturation i would say on some of it as well so yeah overall great song i still love it i still sing along oh. when it comes on it i mean this song hits it it makes like the 90s playlist because it's just that oh, fun yeah. that popular All right, let's move on to the next song, which was called Down. Where is she going with a punk like this? I like the looks it gets, I like the way it hits.
gotta say, this song was unexpected for me. I expected to not like a lot of the other songs other than the the the, the, the mm-hmm. two big hits yeah. off this album. I really kind of like this. I got a heavy early Foo Fighter vibes I can see off that. of this one. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, when I was younger, not to say this was an Insta skip. This was this was one that I might skip every now and then. This actually, this album was very much a I could play it through all the mm-hmm. all the way through, and I did pretty often. But every now and then, you just kind of want to hear some hits. Um, but it chills it chills down a little bit from the first two songs. Right. I still get like a what would you say like that crunchy guitar or whatever. They're still yeah. still distorted and whatnot. But I wrote down I actually probably digging this song better now than when I was younger. Uh, it's just, right. it, it works. There's and there's a little bit of a of a slight dichotomy in the song with a kind of a more punk hard rock sound during the verses, and then it re- you get this really very kind of melodic. Uh, open throat singing mm-hmm. uh, chorus um, that I th- actually works well together, I think. Yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and kind of looking through the lyrics, uh, this song, I believe, is actually about uh, AJ's Cadillac, his car, because um, he, <laughs> he really loved his car. But it, it's, you know, it's got... Um, female innuendos because you give cars female names so he calls it she and she's always ready to go down for a ride uh she's down (laughs) you know and going down obviously sexual innuendo but like down for a ride or all this other kind of stuff um so yeah i'm pretty sure it's actually about his car but um it's a good yeah i i was surprised at how much i was like oh yeah this is better than i remember definitely one where as i was listening to it i'm like okay i don't know that i'd go pick this song out Mm -hmm. but if it came on, yep. I'm going to listen to it. It sounds yep. good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's move on to the next song, which is definitely the other one I remember because of the uh, pseudo-controversial lyrics, mm-hmm. I will say. Uh, and that is Miserable. You make me come. You make me complete. You make me completely miserable Stuck to a chair Watching this story about me Everything goes by so fast Making my head spin Okay Here's what I all right. Here's what I really love about this song. Couple things. One, he AJ basically just summarized a whole relationship <laughs> in three lines. Yeah, a whole relationship in three lines and only one word change essentially. Mm-hmm. And that to me is absolute genius. And I know it's it can be especially for the '90s be very kind of. I know this one didn't get played as much on the radio because of that opening line, mm-hmm. but I mean it's true. Well, for exactly. a lot of relationships, the first thing is almost always sexual attraction. Like, right. boom, you make me come immediately. There is going to be that, and then you make me complete the love, the feelings of being together. You know, all of that kind of stuff, and then you're past that, and you make me completely miserable, and I'm going to be fucking done with you. Right? <laughs> that, it 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 does the full circle. You know, of a. Uh, or you know the entire the entire story arc of a relationship in three sentences. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like is to me the intro is a little bit deceptive. So you get kind of just a, a guitar playing along with him singing, and then there's a break. And what I expect after a, a moment of silence like that is for everything to hit in the guitar, the bass, the drums, everything, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. They're just the car to get ah, just the guitar comes back now. It comes back a little bit heavier and a little bit more rhythmic mm-hmm. and is setting you up for the song, but it's a little bit of a tease or maybe a blue ball. And maybe that was intentional uh, here yeah. where you, I expected the whole band to kick in with a heavy beat and it doesn't happen yet. They delay it. They edged us, Adam. Yeah, they <laughs> and it's a better feeling when you get it, right? If you wait just a little bit. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. um, but I liked that little tease sonically. Okay. And I don't know if that was if that was their intent, but that's what I took away from it. Okay, I can I can see that. 
Um, the song hit number 117 on the Billboard Hot 100, so not far out of the Hot 100. Number three on the modern rock charts, so it was played mm-hmm. often enough. Yeah. Um, and the song also might be best known for its music video. So the music video is where the band is miniaturized. They're basically on a green screen, and they're just basically playing on a bikinied Pamela Anderson. I mean, who 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 would not want that in the I, '90s? Who would not have wanted that? You're right. In the '90s, that was uh, a dream scenario. Except for at the end of the music video, she eats them. So <laughs> mm, I mean, it's a way to go. You can finally say you can finally say you've been inside Pamela Anderson. Hey. <laughs> um. I never really liked that music video. I also, not to say I dislike the song. I'm okay with the song, but it's just kind of, it's just okay to me. It's not as uh, good as any of the three songs we've already heard so far in the album, in my opinion. I will disagree with you there. I okay. as, as a composition, I think it is the second best okay. song. I, clearly, the best, I... I this is one of those and it's not rare but it's one of those occasions where I think the lead single on this album was the best song mm-hmm. on the album and we'll you know at the end we'll get to my feelings on the rest of the album plus we got to go a bunch of other songs to get through but I do like this song as a song I like it sonically okay. I like the guitar riffs um it is a little bit more chill than my worst enemy which I like I mean mm-hmm. I like the uh the the change there yeah um and like I said, I, I like the word play. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I, and I understand it more, you know, and maybe because I still kind of have the memory of just like, eh, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't really, I got it, but I didn't really get it until, you know, you go through some relationships and you understand it better and you can relate to it better. I do like the lyrics quite a bit. Okay. All right. So, so I mean, overall, I think it's a good song. It's a top tier one. To me, it's, it's, it, it's number two. Okay. On there. But I also have a little bit more nostalgia for this song because I definitely remember it as a, right, as a single. I think one thing that did hinder me was I actually, this song, the uh, the single didn't come out until 20, uh, 2000. Right. And I had already been listening to this album. And and then when they like put it out there, I was like, why did they pick one of my least favorite songs to be <laughs> on, to be out as a single? And so it's like, I never just, just never really connected to it. I, that I've I've had that happen before, where a single comes out, I listen to the album, you know, through a lot, or I'm like, oh, this is a great album, and then a single comes out, and I'm like, why that one? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're better songs. I can I can see your point on that. Okay. Even though I disagree with it, that's fine. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to the next song, which is called "No Big Thing." I like the uh, I like the energy change. I like yep. that we're going into a little bit more of a, a, a up upbeat punk song, a little bit more you know offbeat snare drum, uh, heavy guitar riff. It's a middle of the road song for me, but I enjoyed it all the way through when I'm when I was listening to it. It's only about a two and a half minute song, which is pretty apropos for a for a punk song. Mm-hmm. So, in general, I liked it, but in the end, I would say it was nothing special. Uh, I, I mostly agree with that, um, that it's not anything special of a song, but I do like its placement and we talk mm. about it plenty of times of a flow for an album and we've kind of had some quicker stuff at the beginning and then something slowed down a bit, but they still had like a, they all fit very well. They were still, yeah. um, you know, they still had like that hard guitar in there, even though they, some of them were had slowed down. Um, but in general, I kind of like that. Okay, we had gone for a ride. Now we're picking it back up, and we're building that steam, and it's uh, it's exciting. So I very much enjoy. I enjoyed, yeah, the flow that this song gave. The song itself, I was okay about. So okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, it's definitely another one about a, a girl. Uh, apparently, one that's like bugging him too much that he doesn't want anything to do with her. So yeah, a lot of these <laughs> songs just kind of about dealing with ladies and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But and this one was actually written by Jeremy. Okay. 
So yeah, so, so no, this he, is good enough. Good enough. I, that's that's as best as I can say. All right, well, let's move on to the next one, which is the only other song uh, other than my my own worst enemy and miserable to be released as a single, and that is Ziploc. If I could get another chance, I'd put it in a Ziploc bag and keep it in my pocket, keep it in my pocket, keep it in my pocket. Tell me when I start to blow it, would you show me what I need to do before you To me, it's a solid pop punk song. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, very. Sta- I say it sounds very standard, but really, this is a very early in the sort of two thousands pop punk yeah. uh, craze. So this this is going to be kind of something that is influencing all those other pop pop, pop punk bands that come after it. Um, I didn't remember it as a okay. single, so I don't remember it getting a lot of uh, of airplay. I did find it funny though that the the difference between the radio version and the album version is one second. Okay, I the radio that. version is one second shorter. Interesting, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, it's only it's only three and a half minutes. That's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. But one is three thirty one, and the album version is three thirty two. And I uh, whatever. Yep. Yeah. That's somebody being nitpicky. Yep. I I find this one to be a solid song. Uh, another one about a relationship, uh, specifically where the narrator is realizing that the person's kind of slipping away from them, and he's basically kind of like begging, you know, what can I do to, to figure it out to keep to keep them here, to keep um, it fresh in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> keep it in my pocket. Um, that part was actually my least favorite part of the song. I did like the like, everything else. The uh, mm-hmm. the song though, I I like it better than Miserable. I think this is an enjoyable track. It was hit number eleven on the modern rock tracks and number thirty four on the mainstream rock tracks. Um, the music video is actually kind of funny. It it they open it up with almost like a play on the beginning of "We're Not Gonna Take It," you know, where like the kid is listening to a rock song and the dad comes in, "What are you listening to?" And you know, it's like, "What do you want to do with your life?" <laughs> I want to rock. Um, yeah. They do they do basically like the same kind of thing, but he's listening to "My Own Worst Enemy," and the father is actually played by D. Snyder of uh, oh. Twisted Sister. So it's kind of a fun little thing. And then also yeah. in the main music video which is a classic 90s they're playing in a pool <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of <laughs> pool bikini things right like the kid who wants to rock is has a pool party with a bunch of adults that are hot and he's right. a kid and that's basically what happens right um but there is a fun little cameo from blink 182 uh where they are if you remember in their music video for what's my age again they're running around naked yeah they kind of they run through the shot naked <laughs> in this in this uh, music video too so they're almost like continuing their streak which is just that, kind of funny that's cute i like yeah. that yeah the song i think the song is solid it's not amazing not at all mm-hmm. but it is uh definitely enjoyable for me i wonder if they uh i wonder if they got any shit from messy johnson for naming it ziploc uh, i mean they spelled uh, it differently ah uh, but yeah because that I, is a brand name it is a brand name but it's also spelled different and also the term zip lock to me sounds like a general thing Mm -hmm. because also the brand is uh z-i-p-l-o-c with no hyphen it's just one word Uh, um so i think maybe ziploc really is just defining the type of seal that's on there maybe that's how they get away with it is they change the spelling and make it more like the general one yep that makes sense all right let's move on to the next song which is called lovely day I've said this a lot already, and I'm probably going to continue to say it. 
it was fine. I yeah. liked it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was able to listen through it. I, I'm enjoying um, kind of the, the riffs that they're giving me, and everything sounds good. Not it's this one sounds a very very pop punkish like the last uh, couple mm-hmm. have have been, so I'm not getting any difference really in the tone from the singer, so that kind of puts this one maybe lower middle, yep. I'd say for yep. me and my selection here. Yeah, I I can agree with that. It's got good energy, yeah, good guitar riff. I wrote that one down. Um, overall, a listenable song, but not one that I seek out, and mm-hmm. not one that I like. It, you know, totally skip, but every now and then might skip if I'm just like feeling like, all right, I just need to, a little bit more of a change or because, yeah, it, it's not to say that they're sounding the same, but it's got similar aspects and it's not nothing is making this song particularly unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am not disliking it. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and step off from that one to the next song, which is called Perfect One. First off, I appreciate the tone change. I appreciate the mm-hmm. tempo change. We've hit so we've hit like three pop punky songs in a row. I appreciate that we brought it down, had a little bit more clean. And even when it even when it gets heavier, it still gives it a different flow. To me, I actually got a little bit of some Oasis vibes oh, okay. out of this. A little bit heavier than Oasis. Mm-hmm. But uh, a little bit of an influence from them, and I'm, is kind of what I'm hearing on this one. I rather enjoyed this song. Yeah, I didn't think about that Oasis connection, but I do hear it. Once you said it, I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." Um, but yeah, yeah but harder. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a non- definitely one where I skipped more when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it now. I appreciate that that slow down every now, but like even the song has got a nice. You know, even Sonic change into it where it starts off right. slow and then it then you'll get harder and then it gets harder. Yeah. And but it's still also I'm not saying it gets faster no, and more it energy. It just it, gets harder. Yeah, it doesn't change. It doesn't change its tempo, um, but it builds, builds mm-hmm. and builds and builds, and then it hits you with that that you know that heavy rock. I mean, it's a rock band. It's hitting you with the heavy mm-hmm. rock, but it still feels like a ballad. Yeah, you know, as as much as you could call it a ballad. And yeah. I this it, to me this one was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say um, when I was younger, on a bottom half of the album, but for me now, it's a top half of the album. I mean, if I'm in the mood for some upbeat stuff, and this one comes on, I might skip it because I don't mm-hmm. want to be brought down. But in terms of the flow through the album and its quality as a song, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is called Quicksand. When the song first started, for some reason, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know why I thought this, but I was like, oh, I'm getting a little bit of maybe some U2 influence mm-hmm. in here. And then the rest of the song kicked in. I'll be honest. I really did not care for the rest of the song. <laughs> I funny. Something about it just, it seemed too cheesy. Oh, okay. Well, it is a breakup song and you can get some uh, cheesiness from that. It's funny. I, I kind of had a feeling you weren't going to dig this one. This one actually was probably my favorite song when I was younger. Okay. Um, even more so than my own worst enemy because I would probably play this one on repeat every now and then. There was something that I connected to it. Maybe um, 
you know, I really like that part when he go when they get into when it starts sinking in like quicksand. I can't stand. Um, I don't know, just like the I guess maybe the imagery of you know you're you're sinking and you're kind of like you're sinking in this relationship and and mm-hmm. whatnot. Whatever it was, I connected to this song. Um, this is not one that stayed as a connection for me mm-hmm. uh, but i still have a nostalgic appeal to this song right. so it's definitely a um you know top few song for me and i really do like it but i don't love it as much as i did when i was younger i think there is something about the melody he chose that it didn't sit mm-hmm. right with me and i i only listened to this the one time so maybe cursory listens i could actually pinpoint what it is i don't like about it but there was something about the melody that he was singing that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. I think that made me not like it. Okay. Yeah. The, I mean, the chorus I didn't care for. It's just, yeah, it's just like, it's like that second verse or whatever is probably my mm-hmm. favorite part of the entire song, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, so solid one for, cool. for me, but I, I can understand, you know, as I've gotten older, it's just like, okay, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> dig it like I used to. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the next song, which is called happy, happy, happy. What they're good enough for you. I'm happy. Remember that? Sister <laughs> no, Hazel? Uh, ooh, I'd have to hear it again. You don't remember Sister Hazel? I remember, sh- I remember Sister Hazel. I don't remember that song. Oh, that was like their big hit. <laughs> All right. Was it? Yeah. I was thinking something else. That ain't good enough for you. Happy. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. All right. Well, here's Lit's version of that. <laughs> be so bad if I can take a good thing and make it last money for the rent the time that I spend me and my girlfriend my heart is broken down again what I have to say about this song. I am normally a huge proponent of having horns in a song Mm -hmm. because I love horns. I think they add a lot. In this case, to my ear, through just the initial listen, really, it was unnecessary. The Mm -hmm. horns added nothing to the song, really. And it was so jarringly out of place because at no other point do we hear horns that I honestly was like, I really feel like this would have fit better if they hadn't put the horns in. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, they're trying that ska sound. Um, and I don't even think the mix, because the guitar overwhelms the, the the horns Yeah, to me. Um, I actually probably put down, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. Um, it just felt, it felt also kind of redundant, just as a mm-hmm. song in general. Yeah. And... I, I'm just wasn't digging it, and maybe yeah, maybe that was part of it as well. Just the heart or the uh, the the blend of all the horns in there that just it felt off from the yeah. other rest of the album. And maybe maybe the producer went through that song and was like, you know what, it sounds like something else. Maybe we need to put the horns in there to make it sound different. Oh, okay. Um, which it does, but to me, it doesn't do it doesn't do enough to add to the song to me to justify it. Because mm-hmm. I imagine that when they played the song live, they didn't have the horns. Yeah, yeah. Because it would make no sense to only have only bring on you know several horns for one song. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nowadays it's easy enough. You actually could just use the recording of it and play play that along with uh-huh. it as a on a synthesizer or something like that. But still, like to me, it 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 didn't make sense sonically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I totally see what you're talking about. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on from that one uh, to the next song, which is called "The Best Is Yet to Come Undone." To me, 
another kind of middle of the road song, but I rather enjoyed listening to it. And maybe I was coming off the fact that I didn't like the one before it. And so even though this one being kind of a, an average middle of the road pop punk song, um, and, and like a mid-tempo pop punk song, it's not a it's not an upbeat one. It's not necessarily a ballad. It's kind of in that middle of the road um, as far as like tempo and energy goes. Um, but I had I it was fine enough for me to listen to all the way through. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote down song is okay. Nothing special. Um, it's just kind of generic. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's, it's not like slowing me to the end of the album, but you know, I'm just kind of like, all right, I am fine right now. I'm not like, um, I don't know, not much on a, on a magical journey or anything, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's good enough. <laughs> good enough. All right, well, let's finish this out with the title track. And very seldom is the title track the last one on an album. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. And that is A Place in the Sun. Gotta get that feeling. God, I love this feeling. Someone come and stop because this time I'm winning. I should have left you when I was up. So, interestingly enough, this song was kind of up and down. Like, there's, there, I found myself in listening to this in parts where I'm like, I didn't like that line, but I liked the line that came right after it. Mm. Or I liked the way he did this part, but not the part that came right before it. Or, right, you know, it's just, it was, it was weird. It's, to, it's still kind of middle of the road to me. I can't say whether it'd be upper or lower middle of the road. It, I don't know that I think this is a great song to end on. I but, said the same thing. It doesn't feel like a, like a, the correct ender. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you, I, I really think ending an album is hard, mm-hmm. is very, very hard. And very few albums um, have done it correctly, or I shouldn't say correctly, because there's no real correct way to do it, but I think have done it well. Um, one of the albums that I think has that did do it well is uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Because it ends in this big, grandiose finale song in the the uh, brain damage eclipse, mm-hmm. that you know, it, I, you in, in my head, you either have to end big, or you have to end down, mm-hmm. and this one does neither. Yeah, I I felt that they honestly might have needed to swap this one with the best is yet to come undone and just end with that one mm-hmm. and kind of end on the down. Um, I will say when this one came on. Because we were kind of on the, like the the lower from happy and best is yet to come undone, that I kind of liked getting that little bit of energy push. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I didn't like it at the end. I just didn't. Right. It didn't fit with me to to finish that way. Right. Uh, but the song itself, yeah, middle of the road song. It's um, not solid, but I was digging it enough just to kind of get a little spurt of energy from the last ones. But they probably should have switched some things and just kind of let us end on like kind of like that little downer, not the downer note, but yeah, you're right, kind of like ease out of the album. Right. Uh, All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into final thoughts. I will start us off since uh, this was your pick, so I'll let you have the last word. Uh, For me, a pleasant surprise. Um, There wasn't too much that's, there wasn't too many other songs that I think stood out to me beyond the two um, single or the two big singles. Uh, Ziploc was fine. Um, I think it was perfect one that I found to be a pleasant surprise. That one was the, the ballady one, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in the end, I probably will still just kind of stick to pulling out the songs I like having listened to this. There might be a couple more that I actually pick out of this album other than just the, the two big, uh, singles. But honestly, I found it to be highly listenable all the way through granted there is some stagnation towards the end as far as mm-hmm. sound goes but it's not bad stagnation it's not it's it's not like they they're i'm hearing a crappy song over and over again i'm hearing a <laughs> decent song over and over again and i can live with that as far as an album as far as an album goes uh, i definitely enjoyed revisiting this one as i have a lot of nostalgic value for it um and 
I won't say that this is one I need to keep on heavy rotation. I mean, granted, nowadays, I just I don't end up listening to albums all the way through so rarely. I am listening mm-hmm. to playlists that I created or, you know, and stuff like that. So which I think is a good re- is a good reason for why we started doing these album reviews yeah. is to start listening to whole albums again. Yeah, and I, I exactly and I, I need to do more of that. Um, and I would absolutely be able to throw this one on and be happy with it just going all the way through. So mm-hmm. um, you're right. I had the, the same feeling where the highs are, are pretty freaking good. And I really liking, you know, I'm still having some of my favorites will still be awesome songs that kind of take me back to that 90s time where I used to wear a bowling shirt and, <laughs> you know, bleached my hair and had a, a chain wallet and wore cargo shorts. Um, and that fits perfectly with this time. But the, the album as a whole is solid, but it's not amazing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the best totally listenable through album, but it is good enough. Absolutely. And a couple songs that I kind of was able to re-remind myself like, oh, yeah, these are pretty damn good. Um, so I will say by the end of the album, I'm probably ready for something new. It's not like an album mm-hmm. where, I hell, I can tell you, like, you can call me Al. I can get to the end of that one. Start it right back at the top. <laughs> yeah. This is an album where I probably finish it and I'm like, okay, I had my moment in that one. Let me swap to another one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, enjoyable enough, but, um, yeah, not the most amazing thing, but I did. I was, I was very happy going back to the, to listen to this one. All right. Well, that was our review of the album, a place in the sun by the band lit. Please join us next time for a prehistoric episode as we break down the 1993 animated film, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, discuss the television show Dinosaucers, and recast Jurassic Park using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.